0: You are listening to another Always Moto production. The Always Moto Podcast with your host, David Hogan. We talk moto events from around the world. All the injuries, all the training ins and outs, the bikes, parts and gear inspections, The results. We interview your favourite riders. It's the Always Moto podcast. We occasionally have some coarse language and the odd stuff up along the way. If you don't like it or you don't agree with us, turn it off right now. I'd like to
1: remind you that he is not a doctor.
0: That's right, Moto fans. I'm not a doctor, but I am a physiotherapist, and this is episode sixty-seven. Of the always moto podcast as always i'm your host david hogan thanks for joining us here on the always moto podcast we'll be joined during the show by the always moto contractor ben grinley unfortunately he's still just waiting to be paid we don't know where that check's gone this is the always moto podcast we are in the depths of the clinic throwing strapping tape anywhere it will stick as always on the show we will be going through all things moto particularly the injuries in our sport well not so much on this show this show is a different show But there are a lot of injuries in our sport, and that's because hashtag injuries are a part of moto. So this week's show, what are we talking about? It's a WSX preview show. That's right. World Supercross is coming to you later this week. First round will be happening on the 1st of July in Birmingham in the UK, and this is our preview show. Welcome to it. Bringing the show today is Comp Edge Performance. Are you looking to take your performance to the next level? Competitive Edge Performance is the go-to provider of strength and conditioning programs, sports nutrition, and on-bike coaching schools for athletes of all levels. Whether you're just starting or a seasoned pro, they've got you covered. Offering in-person sessions and top-notch online programs accessible anywhere, anytime through their awesome training app right at your fingertips. Competitive Edge Performance believes everyone deserves access to the best training and performance methods so you can ride faster and safer and feel damn good doing it. With over 10 years in industry and personal experience in motocross racing, their coaches know what it takes to succeed. If you're ready to ride like never before, join Competitive Edge Performance today and tap into their personalized coaching and proven strategies. You can get 50% off your first month on their training app using the code Comp Edge Coach. Now that's uh, all capitals and it's C O M P E D G E C O A C H. Use the code, guys and girls, and you get saving on that first month and get your butt in the gear, basically. All right, bringing in the show as well, Slant Board Guy. Don't forget we've got that affiliate deal in place with these guys. This the Slant Board Guy has offered ten percent discount for Always Moto Podcast listeners. So if you want to get your squats on point in the gym, improve your standing technique on the bike with stronger legs, this simple piece of equipment is for you. Use the code ALWAYSMOTO in lowercase at checkout to save. Endurance Recovery Boots. We've been using these boots. They are wonderful. They help you feel relaxed after your sessions. And if you want to tr- maximize your training sessions, you need to be recovered before each and every session. These Recovery Boots can help you be your best for your next efforts. Use the code ALWAYSMOTO in lowercase at checkout to save. And finally, Tech 167 3D Printing. We've still got that oil, uh, that funnel that screws straight into the oil cap. We've been using it with all of our oil changes here at Always Moto on that GasGas EC350 that we, you will have seen in some of our videos for our product inspections that we do. And it just means no mess, that funnel. It's so simple. It's so good to use. Um, but if you need something else from them, they do 3D printing. Check them out on their social pages and on their online store Um and get us, use the special code that we've got here, guys and girls. It's only available here on the podcast, and it's always Moto in lowercase at checkout. It will help you save with Tech 167 3D printing. Now, don't forget, we've still got our show merch available. You can get a T-shirt here. They're $25 plus postage and handling. Just email info at alwaysmoto.com, and we can get that set up for you via PayPal payment. Now, speaking of PayPal... Help keep the lights on here at Always Moto Podcast. We need your support. Send us a donation via our PayPal account. The links for all of these things are in our bio, on our social pages or in the show notes below. So please send us a donation and check out the show sponsors and show your support of them and let them know that you came from Always Moto. All right, enough with the intro talk. Let's get into this massive World Supercross preview show. Hey
2: guys, it's Luke Nice. I'll be riding for Club of Max Yamaha and the World Supercross Series and you're listening to the Always Motor Podcast.
0: Welcome into the show, Benny. It's the contractor on the line. It's the World Supercross Preview Show.
3: It is. We're excited. It's nearly time.
0: This is a bit of a different show for us. This is sort of, obviously all our content tends to end up being around the injuries and stuff in the sport, but... With World Supercross, we're taking a leap of faith in a different direction and just bringing some content to the to the series and uh, taking our own look at what's going to happen and race predictions and all that sort of crazy jazz will just be a, a commentary point now. How's that?
3: Yeah, it'll be good to do um, Yeah, something different and uh, yeah, take a look at this, uh, well, yeah, the second year of World Supercross.
0: Yeah, that's right. It is the second year of World Supercross. They obviously had that two round what they called pilot series that went in 2022 2023 we've now got six rounds to make a reasonable size series uh there is a bit of a gap in the series at the beginning and potentially a shift that's maybe coming here that's been rumored across social media for the last week or so but uh we're not to worry about that it'll be there'll be filled at another event but yeah, we've got six rounds. We're starting off uh, the same weekend as Redbud. Uh, it's going to be kicking off that first weekend in July in Birmingham in the UK. Uh, and then we've got, at this stage, there's a French round for round two, which is the one that's rumoured to be changing around. We're heading to Singapore, and I quite like that one, and we'll talk about that a bit further in a sec. We've got Germany, which I'm sure Ken Roxton is stoked to be a part of for that one. There's a Canadian round, and we're going to wrap it all up again in Marvel Stadium in Melbourne, Australia, which is where we will be on the ground there as media credentialed people, Benny, and uh, pretty psyched to be there again doing that for us at Always Moto.
3: Yeah, well, that'll be your second year, and it'll be my first year. Um, so yeah, I'm uh, I'm pretty excited, and um, yeah, just being able to do that is something that um, I think I said last week that you know I never thought I'd get the opportunity. To- to do so it's uh yeah pretty exciting
0: now of all these six rounds what's the one you're looking forward to the most and why is it australia uh
3: i don't know there's actually you know oh well we've been to marvel we've seen that uh i reckon if i was going to go anywhere it'd either be the british gp or the german gp
0: really I'm, I'm, I'm a bit shocked why what's what's the reasons behind those you reckon just maybe the, i'm assuming the German one because of the the uh, German fans going nuts for Kenny
3: yeah I think the atmosphere there would be um would be crazy um but the and you don't, i probably, you probably don't even know this but as a soccer fan it's a soccer stadium and just to, I suppose, experience supercross, but then also go and see, uh, same as um, Villa Park for the British GP. Uh, um, both those stadiums are pretty big soccer stadiums. So, um, yeah, just to experience supercross and be able to, you know, go and experience the stadiums themselves, um, I think. You know, it'd be really cool, but like I said, we've been to Marvel, we've experienced that, so I'll go something, I'll go something different.
0: Yeah, fair enough. And look, I think we're going to learn a little bit about each other tonight. Uh, so you're a soccer fan. I am. Well, who's the team in the UK, or you know, I'm assuming Premier League or something here? What who, are either these grounds teams that you're you're barracking for, or just happen to be in that area?
3: No, they just happen to be in that area. Um I sort of just follow it all. I don't really have a team as such, um, but, you know, I just keep my eye on it and whatnot. Um, so, yeah, just, yeah, like I said, being able to experience those stadiums. Um, I think the French one, which I think it's also a uh, soccer stadium as well. So there's a few that are uh, getting put to use.
0: To put the proper cross, use.
3: which is good. Yeah, that's right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Filled with uh, well, hey, uh,
3: jumps and whatnot. <laughs> Hey, that's like I said to you. The uh, the Newcastle round is um, the Supercross is the best thing that happens in that stadium all year long. I agree. All year long, I'm with a the- local Newcastle.
0: <laughs> I'm a local Newcastle person. I agree. It's the best thing that happens to that stadium all year. But, um, but yeah, look, I'm a so- I'm a soccer person from way back. I've been in plenty of stadiums over the years. I played some reasonably high-level soccer myself before I just you know, focused into the bikes. But, um, yeah, you're right. Some of these stadiums are actually really cool to just be at because of the other history that's gone on in there, not just the fact that you're there for the Supercross race. And, yeah, things, things like these bigger football stadiums. If we ended up going to something like – it's never yeah. going to happen, but imagine if we had, you know, Old Trafford or something, you know, or, or Wembley as, the, as where they held the, the, the British round for the Supercross. That would be insane.
3: It would be it, um, yeah. It'd just be something, you know, completely different.
0: Well, I, I personally would like to see if, if it all went to plan, and I could just go to any of these rounds and all of them. One, I'd go to all of them. But two, I'd think I'd my personal one that I want to go to is the Singapore one for some reason, just because of that. Like we mentioned on one of the shows previously, when we found out it was happening, I just feel that it's going to be a bit of an F one vibe to that race because of the town. Because of the way the buildings and stuff are, it's just that sort of a town. I just feel like it'd be a really cool venue to be at, you know, party at afterwards. Yeah, it would be just, I think that's that's the one on my list that I'd be going to. If uh, if Adam Bailey or something wants to um, shout us as media to to come and cover it, I'd be putting a hand up for that one.
3: And can we call it a town or is it a city?
0: Oh, whatever. You know what I mean. Jeez, come <laughs> on, semantics here. Yes, anyway. But, yeah, so, no, look, it's it's kind of cool. I love the fact that we're actually seeing the racing all around the globe. Yes, we're not stretched out too far. We're only six rounds at this point. But, ideally, this gets series gets bigger and bigger every year and we end up in more and more places. But, yeah, there's some pretty decent countries that we're traveling to with this, with this round, with this championship now and giving it some legitimacy other than just those two rounds that happened last year. Obviously, it was just the beginning of all this. But... I quite like the fact that this, this this series is here. It's going to where it's going to. It's nothing but excitement for me.
3: Yeah, I couldn't agree. Um, couldn't agree more. Something that was needed, um, you know, us in Australia, but also, you know, all the other places that never really get events like this. Um, it's, you know, it's good to finally get some, you know, worldwide athletes to us. Um. whereas, you know, we didn't have that chance before. So uh, I think, you know, everyone's going to jump at the opportunity to go. Um, last year, Melbourne was packed, and um, I'd expect it to be the same again this year, and I'd expect all these other events to be exactly the same.
0: Yeah, let's hope they're all, you know, well-patronized for, uh, for the viewers to make sure that these rounds come back again the following year. Now let's talk about a little bit about the teams, the riders, the formats. There's some similarities but some differences to this year's uh, events and we'll start running through those things. Some similar things are that the same teams are going to be a part of it. There's been no changes to those teams this year. They're all obviously on those contracted arrangements. So we've got those same 10 teams that uh, are going to be f- f- turning up to these World Supercross rounds, which is the Rick Ware Racing Team We've got that Honda Nils team, uh, Team GSM, Firepower Honda, which is actually split into two for their 250 and 450. They've actually got some different naming right sponsors there uh, in in Froth and Polyfloor, which is kind of cool. MDK Motorsports, we've got Moto Concepts, we've got the Pipes Motorsport Group, Bud Racing, Club MX, FXR and Craig D. DAC, Racing. So the teams are all the same. The riders are a little different. Some are the same, which we'll get through in a little bit here. But it's still same split. So there's four riders per team. There is two riders per class. And at each round, we've got two wildcard entries available uh, for... The 250 and 450 classes to try and bring in some other riders that might just be a one off special event uh, and maybe get them into the idea of coming back the following year and racing the whole series. So, what are your thoughts, Benny, on the wild card system? One, I quite liked the concept and I didn't mind the fact that. You know, someone like Eli Tomac was a wild card last year. Kind of didn't make as much sense last year because it was only two rounds. But in something like this year where it's a six-round series and say say if he was fit, unfortunately he's not, but say Eli Tomac was fit and turned up at Germany, that would be a pretty sweet, you know, wild card entry.
3: Yeah, it's good. Uh, you know, if they only want to, these riders only want to jump in and do one or – um two, they don't have to be, you know, on a team and do all six. Um, so I think it just makes it a lot easier for them. And they, you know, they can bring what it bring their bike, I guess, like Tamac did last year and you know, just jump in and do it. They don't have to, like I said, be worried about the contract to a team, changing gear, all that sort of stuff. They can just bring what they have and go for it.
0: Yeah. It it's kind of nice. I think it's those it's they've sort of used this wild card entry to allow those guys that are maybe in that AMA series and contracted to a particular team and can't get out of that contract to do the whole series, but they can at least, you know, convince their team to do something like in the past, it would have been going to like, you know, Paris Supercross or, or a Geneva Supercross or something where they would go and do one flyaway round. this isn't that much different now is it they just say they're doing one flyaway round but it's part of the world supercross so they can just you know box up their kit their bike their gear and and do that one race and and you know still satisfy their their existing sponsors and team and not have to then you know change gear brands or something like that that then upsets the existing contract that they have in place so i think the wildcard system is a great way of bringing those other riders in that might be locked into deals at this early stage too because not a lot of these teams have had the ability to create contracts around both AMAs, Worlds, MXGPs, all those different series and include the you know the World Supercross Series because it's still new. So I, I quite like the idea.
3: Yeah, it's and like I said before, it just makes everything easier. Um, and yeah, you know, a person that might have wanted to be on one of these teams but couldn't get out of their contract, like you said, you know. It's just, yeah, it makes life easier.
0: It does. Now, race format-wise, similar to last year, but they've actually structured this break in between the races a little bit uh, a little bit longer and just more more stricter on that time there to give a little bit more relaxedness to the uh, race format. They're still going to do their three-race format, Um, in a row for the sx2 then have the break and then do the wsx class three races in a row so the sx2 guys will be all done and dusted all three races done and they'll be sitting in the stands watching the wsx guys do their three races to finish out the night people have complained about that i've seen some you know comments on on the on the instagram posts that wsx have put up and such in the past saying that they, they should be mixing these in, you know, SX2, then a WSX race and back and forth throughout the night. I kind of don't like that idea. I always liked the idea that the premier class went last. They were the most, you know, important part of the show and it keeps the fans in the stadium for the longest if they're on the track last and you don't know the outcome of the overall until the end of that last main event so then they stay there, bums in seat longer, um, you know, keeping the interest as long as possible. That's what I, – I like that idea. I don't know about you, Benny, but I quite like the way that they've got this laid out.
3: Yeah, well, I mean, last year you only got to look at uh, – I think it was the first race or the second race and Kenny had the flat tyre and then, you know, you're trying to add it all up and I think he only just got the win like for the championship on the last lap or the second last lap of the last moto. So for those three, you know, those three races, uh, you're on, you know, you're on the edge of the your, your seat because you don't know what's going to happen.
0: Yeah, exactly. It just keeps the, 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 the interest level super high. And, you know, you just, you waiting to see what happens and i remember sitting there trying to figure it out because we couldn't quite hear where we're sitting couldn't quite hear the the ground announcements, so we had no idea what was going on but yeah you, you're sitting there waiting for something to happen so you know what's going on and what the outcome is which is awesome now the race format itself the sx2 guys are going to do six lap race two six lap races with an eight minute break and then another eight minute break in their final race which is their their super can't remember what they call it and they didn't pass this on to me when i got this info from the world supercross guys but it's a it's a 10 lap final race to to finish off for the sx2 guys and the wsx guys are an eight lap race eight minute break eight lap race eight minute break and finish with a 12 lap race so it's a pretty hard and fast format for these guys they obviously have heat races earlier in the night to determine the gate picks and for this year the change for this year with super pole is interesting for the WSX class it's only going to be the top 6 that participate in super
3: pole yeah i think they're just uh, yeah trying to cut down on the program a bit um, just try and you know make it a bit quicker uh, try and keep everyone engaged a bit more
0: i think they've with that super pole cut down one obviously that was a bit that sort of dragged a little bit in terms of you know one guy on the track you know, there's not heaps of viewing. You're watching one guy, and you know, after a few minutes, it sort of, you know, it can get a bit boring because it's just one guy comes out, one guy goes in. You know, it it can take a little bit of time. But obviously, when they fix these eight minute breaks between the races, they've probably added time to that section of the of the evening, and they needed to take some time away. And so that probably is where the super pole has cut been cut down. Which, look, I'm fine with that. I think the super pole, I'd be happy with it was just it was just a top five even um just so you get those top five guys fast you know the the ones you really want to see do something special on the track at once um and even and even have them on the track at once you know have them all just spaced around the track and they get three laps and and the one in the middle is the one that counts you know something along those lines um but yeah look the super pole is an interesting feature it's something different from the ama supercross that you see uh so there's nothing wrong with it in my books
3: No, and, you know, you've got the top six, you know, the best riders uh, all going for that fastest lap. And um, it gets, you know, it gets pretty exciting when it's really, really close. So uh, it's something to, I guess, start the night off with um, to, you know, get everyone going.
0: Yeah, definitely. Now let's have a bit of a look through this rider lineup. Now some of the same names from last year are obviously back and involved again uh, but we thought we might run through the guys that are on the same bikes all through 2023 and the guys that have chat to change bike brands from ama supercross or wherever they were before to to be, then be a part of the wsx so interestingly enough the guys that are on the same bikes uh, not necessarily the same team because these teams obviously aren't all a part of all the other serieses But Joey Savarci is going to be on the same bike, which will be nice for Joey. He's with the Rick Ware team. He's going to be on that Kawasaki 450. So he's on something familiar and and good to go. Jordi Tixier is back with the Honda Nils team. He was there last year. He's on that Honda 450, so he's on the same team. Kyle Peters is on a different team. He's on the Honda Nils team, but he's at least riding a Honda and in the 250 class, which is good for him. Now, stop me, Benny, at any point if any of these names jump out at you off the page about things that you want to mention here. Um, But Dean Wilson is obviously on the same bike. He's on the 450s riding with your Reeves team in that firepower. What's that extra bit for there? The froth Honda Froth. We've got to froth over that one all all night, aren't we? (laughs) Yes. And Justin Brayton's on that frothy team too. Uh, so those boys are on obviously the same thing. Justin Brayton obviously hasn't ridden. It's an interesting one for Justin Brayton. He's sort of semi-retirement this year, isn't he?
3: Yeah, well, the other thing is too, it's it's same bike, yes, but different team, I guess you could say. It is different team Um, because last
0: year technically for the World Supercross, uh, Brayton was with Motor Concepts. Yes, he rode with Yuriev's team for the Australian Supercross, but it was a different team, and he had to have a few slightly different components, like exhaust systems, and and that side of things. So yeah, a little bit different setup, but it's pretty
3: damn close. Yeah, still the same, still the same. Uh, yeah, Honda.
0: Yeah, but he he's now going to froth all night. So that's, you know, that that's a plus.
3: <laughs> yes uh, they, that, uh that- I, I tell you what they, they're trying to put that froth on everything that your has um <laughs> you see it everywhere everything that he runs is has got froth on it um and i know i think dean dino had it on his helmet all year um or was it rockstar can he have both i'm not sure um but yeah, I have seen it everywhere. I think the Australian boys have it on, maybe, not Dino.
0: Yeah, I think yeah, Dino's definitely got his rock star helmet going on. So yeah, probably you're probably confusing that whether the Aussie boys having the froth froth helmet there going crazy. But um but yeah, so Max Anstey's on the uh the firepower team as well, but they're not a froth frothy as unfortunately. They're a polyfloor uh for that two fifty side of things. But yeah, he's obviously going to be quite prepared, Max Anstey, for this. He's had a Quite a good run since he came over to that team and did the Australian Supercross, um, did the World Supercross Series. It maybe didn't go as well as he would like last year, but then he's been killing it in the AMA East Coast this past year. Uh, so he should be well and truly prepared for this uh, World Supercross Series.
3: Yeah, and he um, he's probably going to be cheering because... There's a few stadiums that don't have roofs that I've uh, looked up today and uh, can you just imagine if it was wet in England and uh, he won because it was wet?
0: You know what I wouldn't? it, it One, that would be cool, right? Yes, he, the, the place would just be almost burnt to the ground. Um, but you know what I want to see is an actual one of these that rains because it's as As bad as it is to do a 15 minute or a 20 minute main event supercross in the mud, can you imagine having eight minutes to clean your bike and go again?
3: Yeah, they and they already freak out at the eight minute, let alone you know, and that's just when the bike's fine. So, yeah, imagine being covered in mud. I can uh, yeah, I can see where you're going with that.
0: Well, that and like all these pro teams, they love to change their clutch every time they come off the track. There is no way that's happening in eight minutes and there's no way that clutch is going to be very happy at all sitting in that, you know, one, it's going to be burning hot when it comes off and it's going to be sitting there and encased in mud while it's just bubbling away sitting there on the bloody start line. Uh, that that would be interesting as a spectator. It'd be shithouse as a mechanic or a rider, I reckon.
3: Yeah, I wouldn't want to uh, I wouldn't want to be dealing with that. And you know, you've got the pressure as well that you you're under in that eight minute break. So uh, yeah, everything would just be a mess.
0: Yeah. Goggles, gloves. switch your your helmet out or something, you'd just, yeah, it'd be horrible. Now, moving down the list a bit further, Max's uh, teammate is going to be Gage Linville. Now, when we spoke to Gage probably a month or so ago, he didn't have any plans for this time of year. He was looking at doing a few outdoors in the AMA series, but he was a part of that firepower team for the East Coast 250s. He made his rookie debut there in America. Uh, Uribe must have seen something in him and picked him up for this World Supercross. So nice work for Gage. Um, Hopefully he has a few good rounds, mate.
3: Yeah, I think he should. And, you know, if you've sort of been on the same sort of bike, sticking with something that you know always helps.
0: Definitely. Yeah, I think he'll be at least comfortable and, and have a decent setup from what he's already been using. And obviously they've had plenty of time. And from what I've been seeing on the Instagram stories and stuff, he's riding with... You know, Max Anstey pretty regularly. So he's got someone with pace that he's chasing. So I wouldn't wouldn't be surprised if he's, you know, not too far off Max in most of these rounds, which would be pretty cool. Justin Bogle's going to be an interesting one. He's back with that MDK... KTM team. Now they basically are running K. They're all running KTM's this year, so they're all actually on that same bike, which is a change from last year. They had people on all sorts of bikes, especially when they had the couple of Philians with Jackson Ristjanson and our other Aussie boy whose name escapes me right at this second. Um, but yeah, so Justin Bogle, for those that don't know, has had a pretty decent injury in recent times. Uh, broken arm and and some very, very bruised lower back and, you know, abdomen areas. And he's only been back on the bike for sort of two or so weeks now, maybe three. I think he might be coming in a little underdone to this opening round of World Supercross.
3: Yeah, that uh, the pictures that he shared on Instagram were not, um, yeah, not nice. So whatever... Whatever it was, was, yeah, a big accident, I would think. Um, But, you know, I think he'll go there and probably throw out some tricks like he did in practice and, and qualifying last year um, and get the crowd pumped up and then he'll probably just run on adrenaline for the rest of the night.
0: <laughs> I'd say that'll be his plan for at least round one in Birmingham. But depending on how this uh, calendar goes, if the French round does get shifted a little bit, I think he'll be looking forward to having that. There, there is already an eight-week break in the middle of the season there. He'll be definitely looking forward to that to get himself ready to go for, you know, round three and onwards. Um, and that's probably where you'll see more of the, the Justin Bogle that we should all, you know, know of and, you know, potentially see more of those tricks that you're talking about because he does love to uh, get loose in uh, practice and qualifying. Now, Max Miller is going to be his teammate on the, on the, in the SX2 class there with MDK, also on a KTM, He's staying, so he's staying on that same bike. He's a privateer in the States on a KTM, which is awesome. Now, Cole Sealy is st- sticking with Moto Concepts this year. He did ride the 250 class last year for the World Supercross Rounds. He's moving to the 450 this year, but that's not an unfamiliar thing for him on the Honda. He did do... A couple of rounds there in the AMA series, just at the end of the series here to actually, you know, just basically shake down that 450 and get himself comfortable. So, Cole should be, I think Cole will be a bit better off in the 450 class.
3: Yeah, he didn't have a, a great run uh, last year, but he was sort of fresh back on the bike then too. So, hopefully, with a few of the AMA races under his belt and, uh, you know, a bit more time on the bike. And like you said, on the 450, I think he'll um, he'll do a lot better.
0: Yeah. And then, so his teammate in that 450 on the Moto Concepts is Vince Freeze, everybody's favorite, uh, you know, polite rider in the field. So he will be there back on that 450. So, yeah, be, I think Vince, Vince is obviously coming off a bit of an injury. He's been out with what we believe is a torn Achilles as well. So he's been out for quite some time, but he's been back on the bike for probably... I, th- I want to say it's over, over a month now, at least maybe towards six weeks. So he should be ready to go, but he will be another one that benefits from the big gap uh, after round one before the next next race, depending on when that second round of the French thing, how it goes. Thoughts on Vince Freeze, mate?
3: Well, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not... I'm <laughs> I'm not even sure. Does he come into this with some kind of cloud over his head after what happened last year? You know, is he, what we see in the AMA, is he on, you know, on watch? What's, you know, has has anything happened? I don't know. I don't think so.
0: Honestly, there's been nothing talked about that. There was obviously a lot of that commotion at the end of the Melbourne round there between him and Brayton. But I don't think there was any sanctions, probation,s anything like that put in place on him. So I think he, I think it's fair game.
3: Yeah, I mean, look, he, I met him outside the stadium last year, and he was the nicest bloke you could ever meet. But once he puts that helmet on, um, yeah, he's just like a snowplow. So <laughs> two different types of people um, in two different situations. But yeah, once the helmet comes on. You know, you know, we all know what'll happen, so we'll we'll just wait and see.
0: If we weren't calling this show the World Supercross Preview Show, the head the the title for this one would be He's Just Like a Snowplow. That was gold. All right. So moving on from Vince Freeze also on that Moto Concepts team and back with Moto Concepts. He's been with them for a little while now. It's Mitchell Oldenburg on that two fifty. He's gonna be a sneaky one, I think, in this two SX2 class for for the for the honda guy's there at moto concepts he's he's potentially a race winner here in my eyes i think
3: yeah i think he can be um like you said he's been on the team for ages he's comfortable on the bike um he's been he did well in uh in the ama and yeah there's no reason why if he gets a good start he can't um he can't run up front
0: yeah exactly now, the one that's coming back, and he'll be with the number one on his bike, or at least he should be, depending on the rules here with the FIM side of things, it's Ken Rocks, and he's going to be on the Suzuki again, uh, still with it, Kickstart Kenny. Uh, so he, he's he got to come in as the favorite for that WSX class with the number one on his back, which will be awesome. Awesome. Uh, and Kyle Chisholm's also on. So now Kyle Chisholm is staying on the same team that he's been on for the 2023 season in the AMA's, riding with the Pipes Motorsport Group or HEP, depending on you know which series you're looking at the team name from. But he has changed from what he rode last year, which was actually a 250 with the CDR boys in World Supercross. Uh, and also was different from the 450 Yamaha that he rode during the 2022 season as a privateer um, in the AMA series. So a few changes for Kyle, but he's probably going to be quite comfortable on that Suzuki come, come the opening round here of WSX.
3: Yeah, well, he rode his 450 Yamaha. He rode the Star Yamaha 250 and then rode the CDR 250. So, yeah, to be on one bike for him uh, all year... And I think towards the end of the AMA, he started to get, you know, a nice nice groove on and, uh, yeah, I think he'll be, you know, he'll be pretty good.
0: Yeah, I think he'll be really good. The other one that's on this list here that's staying on the same bike and he's a newcomer to the WSX series, it's Enzo Lopes. He's going to be on that uh, 250 in the SX2 class with the Club MX Yamaha guys. Now, Enzo is a really good rider, but I've got a question mark over him with these like in the AMA, it's a Triple Crown format. It's it's not called that in the WSX series, but it's a similar sort of scenario with their three back-to-back races. I don't know if that's a good format for Enzo or not.
3: No, he he needs starts, and that's something that um, isn't his strongest, uh, strongest thing. So, yeah, I'm not sure how... He's going gonna go, but uh, like you said, he's a good rider. He's fast, uh, so it's only gonna take you know one or two starts, and he might you know be right up there and get some um, you know form in his starts and whatever, and could just carry it right through.
0: Yeah, he he could, he could, he really could, but you just. I just I, I need to see him do it a bit but because he hasn't done it in the States from those sort of shorter events. So yes, he won a heat race um, towards the end of the season there in the AMA, but that was probably one of his best starts and one of the only ones he sort of was up the pointy end at the beginning with. Maybe the different riders in the field help his confidence and that helps your starts usually. We'll have to wait and see. But it's awesome to have the Brazilian uh, on the line this year for the World Supercross. Now... Let's switch over. So those guys were all riding the same bikes uh, for the 2023 year. So they're the ones that are going to be hopefully comfortable with existing setups, you know, ready to go for round one. This guy, These guys on the next list here are guys that are changing bikes again this year uh, and we'll run through them now and sort of point out a few bits and pieces about what they've changed from and to. Top of the list, Colt Nichols. He is going with that Rick Ware racing team. But he's, he was obviously riding the HRC Honda during the AMA Supercross and he's now on a Kawasaki 450 for World Supercross. Thoughts on how Colt's going to be on a Kawasaki?
3: I think he'll probably do a little bit better on a Kawasaki. Um, from what we know, the Honda, or the HRC Honda anyways, a bit up and down. Um, we, we know Kenny wasn't happy with it for a long time. Um, and you know, for him to only have a short time on the bike, and then have a lot of injury throughout the supercross season, he barely got a chance to, you know, get comfortable on it. Um, so I think you know he's been on the Kawasaki for a little bit, not injured. So I think he'll um he'll do a lot better.
0: Yeah, I think you like that Kawasaki a bit bit more to his style of riding. He didn't seem to gel with that Honda. He, he sort of was doing a lot of testing for what seemed like for Colt, um, for um, Chase Sexton there at the beginning of the year. Then he got injured and then he started testing more for, for Chase and he just never seemed to get comfortable on the Honda. So I think it's actually beneficial for him that he's not on a Honda in this World Supercross series. But you'll have to see how it plays out. But I think he'll be better off for that change. Now, one that's going to be running the number one for the SX2 class is Shane McElrath. Now, he is going back to the same team that he ran in World Supercross last year, which is the Rick Ware team. He's going back to the same bike that he ran last year as the Yamaha. But Shane's been on the, on the RMZ450 with HEP during AMA Supercross, so this is a change for him um, back to a Yamaha 250. It's um, obviously a bike that Shane is very comfortable with, but I just don't know how he's going to go after coming off some not so great form on that Suzuki throughout the 450 AMA season.
3: Yeah, he didn't have a good year. And, you know, he came up in our podcast a few times with <laughs> those bad results that he had. <laughs> and, and <laughs> yeah, man, fantasy, if you have fantasy problems. But, um, I don't know, he did well last year. Uh, and he'll be, you know, carrying the number one plate and looking to do well. So I think, um, you know, I think the Yamaha will be a little bit better than the Suzuki. But um, it'll be weird for him. I think racing against, you know, what did you reckon would be weird racing against his team? I'm not sure. Don't know. <laughs> but, um, just, you know,
0: his, the thing that I think is going to get Shane in Shane's head is he's going to have a number one on the bike. Will he be able to take that pressure that comes with that? you know they talk about the weight of the red plate or the weight of the number 1 plate how will shane re- react to that because he's been always been the guy aspiring to that he never got it until that sx2 title last year with world supercross how does he respond now that he's got it is it a positive thing is it a negative thing for him we'll have to wait and see for shane Now, another one on this list here, Henry Miller. He's also with the Rick Ware Racing Team. Now, Henry's a privateer Honda rider in the AMA Supercross, and we've had him on the show before. Uh, Henry's an awesome interview for us, and and he's actually going to be on a Yamaha as well in this uh, World Supercross with Rick Ware Racing. So a bit of a change for Henry. And the one that I really want to chat to... And we're hoping to get him on as one of the interviews for later in this show, which we'll find out. We haven't obviously got all this confirmed just yet. Uh, Kevin Morans is riding with the Honda Nils team, and he is going to be in that 450 class. Now, Kevin obviously is a privateer rider in the States on a KTM. So this is a big, big shift for Kevin. Steel frame to alloy frame, you know, European bike to Japanese bike. It's a big, big shift
3: yeah it is and you always hear of the riders struggling to go from one to the other but usually it's you know from something to the austrian bikes um but yeah him going back will be uh interesting to see how he adapts to that uh compared to being on the ktm for so long
0: yeah that'll be interesting have you seen that uh in his instagrams and stuff that he's still doing his whole michigan uh, mafia side of things that he's He's oh, he's Moran's Mafia, sorry, wrong one, wrong mafia. He's Moran's Mafia crew, he's got all the names on his shirts and on his um on his shrouds and stuff again for the World Supercross. So he must have worked that in with his Honda Nils deal.
3: Yeah, I've seen that and um I think that's pretty cool that they let him do that. Um you know, that's throughout the season, that's what helps him make um you know, makes the extra bit of money that he gets to to go racing and for them to let him do that yeah i think it's pretty cool yeah,
0: it is um we might have to chat to him about an australian round and see if we can get the always moto logo on him somewhere but um yeah we'll see if we get him on the on for an interview here later in the show or not now another one on the list here that's changed chris blows is returning for world supercross uh he was a quite a good front runner during this series last year and obviously then some of the other european races that happened after that he did really well at but he's been riding for pro circuit kawasaki in america during the Uh, AMA series this year he's actually going to be uh, on the uh, Honda of Neil's team as well on in the SX2 class but on a Honda so that's a big change for for blows there Um, just an interesting one as well Jace Owen is also switching uh, teams here now Jace was on the Club MX Yamaha last year this year he's on the team GSM team which is the French team Uh, But he's on a Yamaha. So he switched teams, so that's a different change. But I believe Jace was on a Honda during the AMA Series this year. So just always back and forth with these guys. They seem to switch bikes more than they change their underpants, it seems.
3: Yeah, I'm not sure how they do it, especially when, you know, I could hop on a KTM and then hop on a Kawasaki and it might feel a little bit different, but, you know, I'd get used to it, but they're you know they're all picky with their setups and everything like that um to be able to race at this high level um yeah i don't know how they yeah switch back and forth
0: yeah it's got to be that's got to be the one thing eh? like they've got to push at such a high level and the bikes do such tiny differences at that point and that would be enough just to throw some of them off but they seem to manage to work it out most of the time but yeah, it's got to be difficult changing bikes that often. And another one that's changed bikes, uh, we've interviewed him here in the, in a few, only a few weeks ago, Cade Clayson, who's been on the Kawasaki in the AMA series. He's actually going to be with MDK KTM uh, for this World Supercross round. So that is another one of those shifts from a Japanese um, aluminium frame to a European steel frame bike. So it'll be interesting to see if Cade likes the KTMs or not.
3: Yeah, well, he was on Honda last year, back to Kawasaki this year. And, uh, he Yamaha also had the Yamaha last year year. Club MX Yamaha yeah. for
0: World Supercross, so there's another bike in that mix there too.
3: Yeah, so he's he's been on plenty of bikes in the past few years, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see what he thinks of the KTM.
0: Mm. Now, Anthony Rodriguez is into this MDK team as well. He's on the KTM, but he's actually been riding with Moto Concepts throughout the... Uh, AMA series on the Honda so he's having a big shift as well Uh, Michael Lessie good old number 800 is back with Moto Concepts now he's been doing all sorts of riding in uh, arena cross series uh, two-stroke nationals He's been riding a two-stroke in some of those arena crosses, but he's going to be on the uh, 250 Honda for Moto Concept, so that's an interesting one for me. I'm curious, one, to see if he's still got his whole shot prowess, which I believe he will, uh, and how he stacks up on the Supercross tracks in this SX2 class. That's an interesting one for me.
3: Yeah, I was a bit surprised when his his name popped up, so, uh, yeah, we'll just have to... (laughs) Yeah, see how he goes. He, you know, he's good for a whole shot, but uh, yeah, then after that, well, yeah, we'll see how he goes. <laughs> they are short races, so if he can, you know, get the get the jump and get out front, who knows?
0: Yeah, definitely. Now, next one on the list, Cullen Park. He is riding for that Pipes Motorsport Group on a Suzuki in the SX2 class, but Cullen's been on a Honda. During throughout the uh, for Phoenix Racing, I think it was uh, throughout the AMA Supercross, so big shift for him. Hunter Yoda in the AMA has been on the Team PRMX Kawasaki. He's also going to be on the PMG Suzuki in SX2, so another big shift there. One that's interesting for me because he's a potential contender for this title in the what WSX class. Justin Hill rode super well with Team Tedder towards the end of the AMA series. There on that KTM, he's now with the Bud Racing Kawasaki team, so that's another one of those steel frame, aluminium frame shifts, um, and something that's not too familiar for Justin in recent times. I don't think he's been on a Kawasaki in 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 quite a while.
3: Yeah, well he he went to the PRMX guys, um, and then I don't think he ever even hopped on the bike. So yeah, uh, yeah, I don't think he's. Yeah, don't think he's been on a Kawasaki, so yeah, it'll be all new for him. Um, but I think, uh, especially with the you know the last few races in the AMA, I think he'll he'll probably still do pretty well and adapt to the bike um, pretty quickly.
0: Yeah, he's pretty fast, dude. So I think he'll be pretty good. Now, the guy on this list that probably stands out for us Aussies, but also stands out for one that's probably changed the most bikes in the most time in least time in in, in recent times. Matt Moss. Um what I don't even know what bike he rode last year. Actually, I do. He rode a rode with Bud racing Kawasaki for World Supercross last year in the SX2 class. But he also rode his Privateer 450 Yamaha in the Australian Supercross series at the same time. He's since ridden a YZ 250 two-stroke uh four four-stroke, sorry, um, in Australian Pro Motocross. He has had a RMZ 250 fill-in ride with Barak Suzuki in the AMA Supercross. Uh, what else am I missing there, Benny? And then he's he's now riding this one. Well,
3: he's he signed for MDK he and did, then got did. out of
0: that. He signed for MDK, got out of that. So he probably rode a KTM at some point. Uh, and now he's signed with Club MX Yamaha for the 450 class. It's, look, good on him. I'm, I'm stoked for him to be a part of it. I just find it quite humorous, the amount of bikes that he's been on in recent times.
3: Yeah, like I said just before, you know, these guys switching backwards and forwards is you know, one thing, but yeah, for him to switch through so many of them. Um we know we know he's comfortable on the Yamaha, so I don't think uh, I don't think it'll be a problem, but yeah, it's yeah, he's swapped through a lot of teams and bikes.
0: He has, he has now, next on our list, and we've actually got an interview in the can for this show as a preview, it's Luke Nies. Now, he's with Club MX Yamaha. He's going to be in the SX2 class, uh, and he has been on a Honda throughout the AMA series on 250 class, so it's a bit of a shift for him. But he's telling me that he quite likes the Yamaha, and he's obviously loving the Club MX setup there that they have. He's training at the facility, so things are going well for Luke. But we'll hear more from him shortly in our interview as well. Now, next on the list is Cole Thompson. Now, Cole Thompson is actually going to be with that Club MX uh, Yamaha team as well. He's in the SX2 on the Yamaha. Now, it's a shift of teams more than anything for Cole. He was on a Yamaha but with Team Solitaire uh, earlier this year. So, yeah, not too big of a shift, but obviously a bit of change in, in terms of the equipment availability and different brands that he's going to be running on for that Yamaha there um, as well. Now, next on the list, and again, not too much of a shift, but just more the team shift. Grant Harlan rode a, a 450 for Club MX Yamaha last year in the World Supercross. He loved that bike so much that he actually got it as a privateer bike and rode with Rock River throughout the AMA series and is currently doing the motocross series, but he's signed on to do the world supercross series on the 450 Yamaha, but with CDR, which is awesome for the CDR team. I like that signing. I like Grant, Uh, but he's going to be switching between motocross and supercross and his privateer bike and a pretty well specced out, you know, Japanese uh, supported CDR bike. I think he's going to have a few things to get comfortable with.
3: Yeah, I think uh, you're right. Um, but, you know, it's I think being on the same bike will help Will help that. Um, but, yeah, having one part on one bike, one part on another bike and, you know, you might think at one stage, oh, I've got this and then forget that you don't. And, yeah, I'm not sure how that's going to work out for him.
0: <laughs> exactly. It could just be confusing at some point, say, like – i'm sure i'm sure he's going to be running different tires as well like i think i'm pretty certain that the uh the cdr team's on dunlops and i'm pretty sure he'll be running pirellis or something uh currently so yeah that could be an interesting shift i might be wrong there on 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 the pirelli side of things for his personal but i'm pretty sure i've got that one right but yeah even just things like that could be enough to throw you off but yeah, we'll see how Grant does. I'm looking forward to having him, um, you know, in, in the CDR team and seeing what results he can do on that bike because I think that'll suit him down to the ground. Another one that's changed, and and we've got the brothers running um, this year, and he's on the CDR Yamaha team is Josh Hill. Now, Josh was a part of CDR last year as a fill-in in the Australian Supercross side of things, but he's been running most recently in the AMA series on the Team Tedder KTM. So... Again, another shift from steel frame to alloy frame. So, yeah, big things there for Josh Hill to get comfortable with. But he's been on that bike in the past, so he should have some reasonable settings, you would think, from his past experience with the CDR boys.
3: Yeah, and I think it's just, again, that comfortable, you know, knowing the team, knowing the bike, what you're, you know, how they work. Um, You know, he travelled with them last year to Cardiff and then, you know, around... Um, our series and back to Melbourne. So, yeah, I think uh, I think he'll be fine.
0: Yeah, we think so. Now, the two Aussie boys that are left on this list here, and it's a bit of a funny shift for me. I don't know too much about what they're trying to do here with this shift, but I gather that they're probably angling for like 250 Supercross rides in the AMA with this shift here. But both Aaron Tanti and Luke Cloud are currently riding the 450s, in australian motocross series and will ride 450s in the australian supercross series as well that will happen around the same time as this series is the world supercross is finishing but they're riding the 250 they're riding the sx2 class in the world supercross series so it's a bit of a shift back and forth for them obviously they're on the same teams they're on the cdr team no matter which where they're riding but it's the bike size change is an interesting one for me benny
3: Yeah, when it came out the other day, I wasn't um, real sure why they've gone this way. Um, Like you said, if they are going for rides in the AMA, then I can understand it. Um, They've both been over there before. Clout was with Uri's team. and I think Tanti did his own thing. Um, But, yeah, I'm not – yeah, I I don't know why, especially when you're going to be on the 450 in the – uh, in the Oz Supercross, it just yeah. Apart from the getting the rides in America, it doesn't really um, make sense to me at the moment until we know, I guess, what they are really doing.
0: Yeah, definitely. And now look from the the couple of French guys that are in the series that we haven't mentioned through here. We had a brief, I had a brief look, but I couldn't make heads or tails of what they've been up to. Not all of them have been riding. Um, so Cedric Subaross, Burdon, Escoffier, Ramet, Aranda, and Desprez. Uh, we will check them out once they turn up on the first day. We'll talk to them a bit further down the track if, if their English is any good. That's the, that's the beauty of this World Supercross. We're now getting the international flavour, and we might not actually be able to – we might have to take translators to some of these events, Benny.
3: Yeah, I think most of them, you know, know uh, bits of English here and there. But for us to uh, understand the, you know, their or try and make out what they're talking about through their accents is uh, probably the hardest bit. I reckon.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's not easy. When I was in Melbourne trying to get some information out of a couple of the mechanics about one of the bikes that had a had an issue, it was super difficult to say to say you know did it have a bog (laughs) and to get them to understand even with the whole you know talking to them (laughs) that, that was the most part that we got across to each other when we actually used words it didn't work so it was an interesting time but yeah that's the it's nice to have that international flavor to this world supercross series that's what's making this series really interesting for me. Now, let's switch gears over. Let's look at round one coming up here at Birmingham. The track map is out. We've seen it. I'm not stoked on it, but we've seen it. Benny, what are your th- initial thoughts of the track map of Birmingham?
3: We've got steel ramps still.
0: Yeah, I don't like that.
3: Why? <laughs> Why are we running steel ramps?
0: I, I, I actually, um there was a, like an instagram post uh months ago now uh, i don't know whether it was the world supercross page or adam bailey put up but you know suggestions for the tracks for 2023 and i just put up there straight away please take away the steel ramps but they're back again and i don't know why what's the go we had all those uh, we think that the flat tires were from the steel ramps last year i don't like the steel ramps it's a it's a supercross track we're not a freestyle race
3: Yeah, look, I mean, the steel ramps don't really worry me. I know there was a lot of talk about it last year. Um, A lot of people didn't like it. It's something different, uh, which I think, you know, that's what they're trying to go for. But if we get more flat tyres come round one or any of the other rounds, I think they're really going to have to look at changing that up. Um, They use separate freestyle ramps, so they're not even using the start ramp for, for the, you know, the freestyle halftime show, whatever you want to call it. Um, so yeah, I, yeah, I'm not sure what they're, um, why they need to use it, but yeah, they do.
0: Let's rewind back through our podcast and a couple of comments you mentioned previously about the stadiums not having roofs. How about if we get some rain? How's that steel ramp go then?
3: Yeah, that's, uh, that's an interesting one. Um, that's a good thought. I, they're going I to be slippery.
0: I think it'd be like an ice skating rink, wouldn't you? I don't think the tyres are going to stick yeah. to that at all.
3: Yeah, well, you're only going to go to a freestyle show and it starts to rain and they cancel it. So, yeah, you know, this what's, could be, Yeah. This could, what? what's the plan?
0: Yeah, it could be interesting to see what they come up with then if that's the case. They might have some sort of plan B they might have absolutely nothing. Maybe they'll be listening to this and go, shit, we need to come up with a plan B. Let's see what happens. Well, maybe that we add that to our ask them list, you know, for uh, when, we're, when we're following up post-race after round one, how things have gone, you know. We'll see how that plays out. Now, the rest of the track, uh, massive, massive start area on this track map. I feel like the track, the start straight has taken up like 70% of the floor space that they're being used for the track. And I don't understand why. The start itself only has two points that seem to be crossing over it. Uh, They don't actually go down the start straight, which is where most of the space is used, wasted. How do you want to look at it? It's an interesting design, let's say. I'm not sure if they've quite utilised the space as well as I would have liked.
3: No, I think they could have done it a lot better. Um, but even, you know, Melbourne last year, they could have, you know, used a bit more room. 2019 was the same sort of thing. They had a massive start in Melbourne. Um, and, you know, right down the middle, you know, they just, I think they need to, yeah, maybe have a look <laughs> at what they're doing, uh, um, try and get, you know, utilise a bit more room. But, Uh, I'm also not a track builder, so I don't know the stadium, you know, the layouts and stuff like that, but yeah, I think they probably could have, you know, used a little bit more. Yeah.
0: The other side of things that that then causes that we sort of were mentioning before we hit record on this is that the fact that it's taking up so much space, it potentially shortens the overall track time. Now, when we're talking about races that are six laps and eight laps and the big long ones are 10 and 12 That makes for very short race times.
3: It does, and, you know, the fans want to see, I know I do, um, you know, longer lap times, but, yeah, these will be a lot shorter and, you know, there's nothing we can do about it. But, yeah, they just need to look at it, I think.
0: Yeah, I'm wondering if that'll stick, like if they'll have a bit of a rethink on that one, you know, for rounds two and so forth. But yeah, it's interesting, interesting layout. The other thing that we picked out of the track map straight away is that they have the S-Bend style of track back. And we think it's not obviously clear on the track map itself, but we think that that'll be another one of those split lanes that we saw in Melbourne. Um, Thoughts on the split lane in Supercross, Benny?
3: Well, the split lane in Melbourne was ridiculous. It was a way too small area for a split lane, and it didn't really, um, it didn't really do much. But uh, I know years ago in the AMA, they used to have, you know, split lanes where, and I know they do it at Daytona and stuff like that. But it works there. They um, have massive but,
0: floor spaces for that, those, but in those AMA settings, and especially like the Daytona yeah. one, they've they've really got the room for that in that track. So that's where that works.
3: Yeah, they worked there and you know, I just, yeah, leave it out for me. I think.
0: Do you ever remember the split lane from the AMA? I think it was at an Anaheim round in like 2007 or something like that, where they actually had, you know you had a right and a left that was on the either side of the of the start as such, and you actually went out away and came back in and it really separated where the riders were on the track um it was a re- I kind of liked it everyone supposedly at that time hated it, and there was a big difference in one side versus the other, but that would be an interesting one to go with, but again, floor space and how it all works. Is, is the interesting problem to have if you're the track designer.
3: Yeah, I don't remember that. Um, I might actually have to have a look, look that up and see what you're talking about. But, yeah, I think it all just comes down to the room, um, what they've got in the stadium, and, yeah, you know, that's what they've got to work with.
0: Yeah, exactly. Now, the track itself looks fine, right? Like the, the track is a raceable track. There's just some aspects to it that, obviously, you know, we've picked out straight away that we weren't necessarily fussed on from what happened last year. Maybe this is just another one of those rounds where they just build in the first first track as a bit more of a, a simpler design, and that's a bit of a almost a, let's say a test run to see how they like it, and then obviously they might ramp these things up from you know round two. But yeah, I just I think we all are in agreement that these tracks should be challenging they should be a bit longer they should utilize the floor space better um, and hopefully not waste so much space with you know massive start areas but we're not on the design team maybe that can be our criticism of the the only criticism that we have of the series because we like the rest of the fact that it's there and happening Uh, you know but we got to be picky somehow We're, we're just sitting here on our butts not riding it so why not be picky somewhere benny
3: That's exactly right.
0: (laughs) All right, let's take a quick break on this uh, Always Moto podcast that is the World Supercross preview for 2023. We'll be back with some interviews and then we'll be back with some more commentary following those interviews. We'll be back shortly.
1: Hey, guys, it's Matt Moss here. We're tuning in with Always Moto's podcast.
0: All right, joining us for this World Supercross preview show He's going to be riding for Club MX Yamaha this year. It's uh, Luke Nice. Welcome on the show, Luke.
2: Yeah, man. Thank you for having me.
0: No, no problem. We appreciate the time, and it's kind of awesome to have you in the World Supercross Series. This is—you didn't do it last year. Uh, it's good to see that a, a new name is joining the list for 2023.
2: <laughs> Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm pretty stoked. Um, I'm glad that a club gave me an opportunity to be able to do it this year. Um, it was kind of one of my goals to to be able to do it. So I'm really stoked on it.
0: So why why did you pursue the World Supercross? What interested you to, to come across and do this series?
2: Um, well, a lot of us know that the American Outdoor Series is just, I mean, as far as money-wise, it's not the greatest. Um, and... I mean, like I said, a lot of us know that um, and for, for privateers and stuff, it, it's just really hard to make money and to, to really afford it um, and the World Supercross stuff, it's a lot of it's paid for and it's a little bit more money for the privateers. and with the whole new smx series a lot of the factory guys and i guess the bigger name guys go race that so there's a lot more spots open for the world supercross stuff so um it kind of intrigued me a little bit to be able to go do the world and um or world supercross and and travel the world um that's uh, that was kind of my goal this year anyways but um like i said it's just the, the american outdoors is just hard to do as a privateer
0: does it, does it make any difference, like obviously with this World Supercross Series, yes, there's the money, but like you said, you, 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 you're calling yourself a privateer at that point for the outdoor series and, and that would fit for where you were this year. But does it make a difference that you're actually like a team rider for World Supercross? Like I think that for me, if I was in your situation, I think that would be cool to be able to say I'm actually on a team and, and that would make the difference as to why I might choose one series over another.
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, and I, like I've been on teams for, for Supercross, I mean, the past three years now. And, um, it it definitely makes a difference for sure. Um, and just being able to, to have stuff covered and have the parts covered. And, um, I mean, even at Club MX, I mean, I I get to train at training facility and I, I get to be there every single day with the mechanic and everything like that. And it makes a huge difference. Um, instead of basically going to outdoors, as a full privateer doing everything on my own, it, it it's a lot. Um, you, you get a little bit of that burnout effect with outdoors. So,
0: yeah, I can. That's that's what makes me sort of think that this would be a better option for you in the long run. Just that that purely that organization that comes from this bigger team environment and this series that you like you just said you, you'd have to do everything yourself almost for for the outdoors. So yeah, I can understand why this would be a more attractive option at that point in in a few different ways. But uh, yeah, no, all good. Now we just to clear up some things for yourself, you're listed in a few different places in a few different classes for the world supercross, but what class are you actually riding for world supercross?
2: So I'll be racing a 250 um, and the, I guess it's the SX2 um, class is what they call it. Um, So I, I will be racing a 250, I'm not sure where the confusion was for the 450 class um that everybody's posted about um but I know club is kind of doing an announcement for the team and stuff um in the next Two weeks or so, so um, it should kind of clear some things up there. But no, I will uh, be racing a 250.
0: Yeah, nice. It was just it was kind of interesting. I, I thought it was going to be a different jump for you, but yeah, no. Obviously, staying with that 250 class, so that's good to clear that up for everybody out there because the World Supercross website has you in the 450 class. But but yeah, all good. Now the calendar this year obviously the rounds uh, we have six rounds but they're stretched out over a fair gap in 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 terms of the months um, we get two really quickly but then uh, nothing for a little while how are you gonna manage that physically with that preparation like obviously you're having a big lead in now but then you're basically gonna have to restart that and go again is is that how you're viewing this in terms of the prep or is there a, a different plan in place for this this uh, this unique calendar let's call it
2: yeah, um, it, it's definitely like you said. It's definitely unique with the the long break we have after these first two. Um, I, I've kind of been almost treating it a little bit like outdoors. I guess it would just be done a little bit earlier. So, um, like after we got done with Supercross, I basically haven't stopped training. Um, it's been like full uh, training still for these next two, and then after these two. Um, as the, we have a pretty good group at club and we've all kind of agreed to basically kind of taper off after these first two as a, as a, a little break for August and then kind of ramp back up and um, basically hit it back hard again right after August um, and, and get those last ones in there. Um, but I, I think it'll definitely make it interesting for, I mean, for a lot of the Europeans over there and stuff. And I mean, even for us, it's, it's definitely a little bit difficult um, to be able to do that. Um, But I I think for me, um, I'm having a lot of fun riding the club bikes. I don't know how much time off I'll take in August (laughs) unless they just stop prepping the track for me. Then I might take a break. But um, yeah, we'll we'll see. Um, But no, I I think that's kind of the plan. Uh, We'll kind of taper off a little bit during August and then kind of hit it back hard again for the last couple.
0: Yeah, I think you'd have to have some sort of break there. It's, t- it's too long of a gap to not sort of take that opportunity to have at least a week off sort of thing. But I'm curious to hear what everybody says when they turn up at that round three, four mark as to how how the break has affected them and if they're maybe, they kept training all the way through and they're tired or, or, or what the scenario is because they might all enjoy it. They might have been all out on a beach somewhere or something. I don't know. We'll see how that works out. But in terms of that <laughs> physical prep for you guys, the races are obviously a different format as well than what you're used to for the AMA Supercross. The SX2 class is going to be running that six-lap, six-lap, 10-lap format um, as their main event style. Yeah. Um, are you guys actually doing anything different in terms of the actual you know, on-bike training? I, I assume you're not doing like you know, 15, 20s anymore. You're probably doing a lot more shorter duration, more intense bursts of sprint speeds.
2: Yeah, no, I mean basically how you described it there. Yeah, I mean we're not we're definitely not putting in long motos like you would for for normal supercross. It, it's more kind of like the the Triple Crown stuff like we do have a little bit. Um those those three three decent long main events basically. So, um yeah, I mean as far as right now like we've been kind of doing like just some eight lappers um and uh eight lappers to up to at least 12 laps. Um is kind of what we've been doing and um yeah, it, it's uh, it's been good though. I mean, I don't. It, it's kind of hard because I, I feel like we're also used to the supercross grind. All oh, we got to do long motos, so it, it is a little bit different for us. But um, I, I think with the summer, with with it being summer here in, in the United States and stuff, it, it's it's hard to do those longer motos. So we are doing the shorter ones just so we're not smoked <laughs> um, <laughs> during. So, um, no, I mean, basically just kind of doing race formats, just a couple laps longer for us really, okay. um, just to kind of get the extra edge. So
0: there's the, like one, you probably like that training aspect cause there's a little bit less load in, in the heat. Do you, but do you feel like for the actual event that the shorter format will help or hinder you? Do you, do you prefer one or the other?
2: Um, I think it'll, it'll help me a little bit. Um, I, I mean this year I, this like even for american supercross like I, i've never been able to do a triple crown race um and I, i'm always the one that I, I get better each time i'm on the track so i think for me it, it it'll benefit me um with being on track more being able to get more gate drops more racing um i, I think and even I, I mean i feel like i have pretty good fitness so i feel like it'll it'll play in my favor quite a bit so um awesome. I'm, I'm really looking to it so
0: yeah cool <laughs> It's, it's always interesting. Everybody has their, their strong and weak points and whether these things will work or, or work against you is always a, is interesting part of these when these formats change. And obviously, the World Supercross is a very different animal in lots of different respects, but the format is is extremely different to what you guys are used to.
2: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And um, I, I actually, uh, <clears throat> in, in normal Supercross I uh, or American Supercross, I, I've been getting pretty bad arm pump in the main events and stuff. So... These uh these shorter mains should play in my favor a little bit, but um I actually just recently got some arm pump stuff done, so hopefully I won't even have that issue later on. So wow, interesting.
0: Um, yeah, we'll divert here. Yep. I'm curious. What did you actually get done? Did you get the arm pump surgery with the the, the release, or did you have something else done?
2: So um I. A couple of years ago, I actually did get the arm pump, arm pump release surgery yeah. um, with the fascia and all that yep. stuff. Um, but this time, I actually got the. It, it's kind of a, I guess, a newer thing. Um, it, it's Botox. Um, I got it done by Doctor McGinley oh, you got um, the in Wyoming Miami.
0: on on the uh, ads on the motocross series. You got that done. <laughs> yeah. How was that?
2: Yeah, uh, it was really really good. Um, and uh, it's, I got about probably a week before it starts kicking in so um i actually just got it done it's it'll almost be a week tomorrow um since i've gotten it done and today was the first day i rode and um it's uh it's pretty good so we'll uh we'll see when that, when that botox kick in to see how how good it actually works and I, i've only heard good things so um i'm pretty excited for it to start working and um, see, see how far it takes us. So, well, I'm going, to um, mark it was definitely-
0: I'm going to mark this down. When I see you in Melbourne for the Supercross round there, I'm going to ask how you think that's went because I'm curious as to how that plays out. I've read the research on it and I've got my own thoughts on it, which I'll keep for now. Um, and we'll just yeah. see where this works out for you and if it has the response you hoped for or not. So we'll, we'll find out in Melbourne. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Definitely.
2: Definitely.
0: Now, obviously, talking about the series and and like seeing you in Melbourne, that's going to be awesome. But you're going to go to a lot of different countries over a lot of different time, like over time frames and time zones. What are some of the challenges that you think you're going to have to face for this? Because it's not a normal race series that you have in your home country and potentially just, you know, locally that you're driving to. How are you going to sort of work around all that? Like, you know, do you have the same warm-up equipment available at the races? How do you get your meals and your hydration? Are you going to have to change brands and different foods? Have you got something in place? Is there somebody from the team that's managing all that sort of stuff for you? How do you think this is all going to work out for you guys?
2: Yeah, that's uh, that's definitely the tough side of, of all this. I mean, especially us always being over here, we we don't travel a whole lot other than just through the United States. So um, that, that's definitely going to be tough. Um, I, I know the team, they, uh, they're, they're, pretty, um, they're pretty good as far as planning that stuff out for us already, um, as far as, like, the meals and, and all that stuff for us. Um, as far as the, the workout plans and everything, I mean, it's most of our hotels have the stuff that we have, and I think uh, some of the stuff that we're bringing we're, we're going to be flying with. So um, it, that, that part's not too bad as far as, like, the warm-ups and all that. Um, but the, the time zones and that kind of stuff, I think is what's going to be the toughest, especially for me. I, I've only been out of the country once and that was on a vacation. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that for me will be tough. Um, especially going to Australia, that one oh, that one's going to be really tough for me, but, um. <laughs> No, I, especially flying in for a couple of days before the first round, I, I think I'll get acclimated pretty quick. Um, but, yeah, that I think that'll be the toughest uh, for me. And, I mean, I'm sure a lot of us, just the, the flying and being on a flight that long and sitting and then having to do the time zones is, is probably the toughest out of all of it, honestly.
0: Yeah, I'm assuming you guys are going to be getting in um, sort of early in the week of the event um, just to sort try, try and counteract all that sort of stuff and give you time to – Get back on the right time zone, you know, so that you're not asleep when you're meant to be riding, sort of thing in the in the night program. But yeah, that is the that is a big challenge for you guys, particularly that, like you said, the coming to Australia one. That's it's kind of the reverse. You got to catch up. You miss a day, all that sort of business. So yeah, it is it is a challenge. It'll be interesting to see how you all all cope with it and just manage to get all the things you need because the the food thing is one that I've always found when we when I've travelled, you know, in into different countries. Being having that access to something that you normally would eat all the time, and you might find it, but it tastes different, or it's it's just slightly different textured. You know, it might be the same thing, but it doesn't doesn't work out that's exactly the same. If you know what I mean? Yeah,
2: exactly. It, it, everything's always different. So especially going out of the country, it's just always a a different different environment. Um, every everything about it. So, yeah. um, yeah, I I think a lot of that will will definitely be tough. <laughs> so, and for me, I. <laughs> I, I don't sleep well on planes, so i got to figure out how to sleep good on planes. <laughs> oh, man. So, off the ladder.
0: I've been um, looking into it a bit so, recently. I'm coming over to to, um, to Redbud in a couple of weeks' time. Actually, on the first weekend of this World Supercross, I actually kind of miss out on that to, to, at this stage. But I've been looking at all those options for those – there's all these crazy-looking neck pillows that you can now buy to try and hold your head up to sleep on a plane. And I I don't know if you're going to choke or if you're going <laughs> to sleep. It's one of those <laughs> 50-50 sort of situations. Yeah, I think I think –
2: yeah, I think being choked out would probably be the easiest one because um, then you'll pass out. So <laughs> Maybe that um, will
0: work. Maybe it's a Valium or something that you're coming over to. I don't know. Yeah, exactly.
2: Exactly. Uh, yeah, I got a lot of those in the Amazon car right now trying to decide which one I want. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
0: so. uh, the problems of the, of the traveling man. Now, if, of all the yeah. events that you've got on the calendar for this, these this next six races, which one are you looking forward to the most? And why is it Australia? Man.
2: <laughs> yeah, man. Um, it, it's tough. Cause like, I mean, I'm so excited for all of them. Cause I mean, like I said, I've only been out of the country once. So, um, it, it's a new experience for me, but I mean, I'm a big like Marvel fan, like the, the Avengers and all that stuff. So yep. like the Australian stadium, Marvel stadium, man, like I'm, I'm really excited for that one. Um, and then just the, the pictures that I've seen, um, um, from singapore actually look really really cool so those those two are probably the ones i'm most excited about um yeah. for sure
0: yeah i when i when i heard that they announced singapore as that as that that round of the, the asian gp that was kind of cool because it's sort of that formula one vibe the city is that you know really really cool city you know you got the rooftop bars and pools and all that sort of stuff on these crazy tall buildings yeah. and yeah, it just kind of looks like it could be a cool vibe to be a part of. So yeah, I'd, I'd be excited for that one too. But obviously, yeah, the Australian one for me—it's it's it's my local one, so it's, that's cool. But yeah, don't, don't burst your bubble too much. But there's not too much Marvel about it, other than the fact there's Marvel sign on the on the building. So. Oh, okay. Well, awesome. Cool. <laughs> I'll burst yeah. that one for you. Oh. Sorry about that, but it is a cool place. You're yeah. <laughs> in Melbourne, so that's pretty awesome. Well, that one's out then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, yeah, Singapore's the top one now, so yeah, all good. Now, <laughs> now yep. one thing we've been asking I didn't preface this one on the leadout, so you can, you can shut me down at this point if you need to. But um, we've been asking every rider. What's under your gear? Obviously, everybody runs, you know, the gear that you see on top. You know, you're, for you guys, I believe it'll be the FXR gear, um, that you know, jersey pants. Yeah. Um, but what's underneath that? Are you a chess pro guy? Are you a knee brace or a knee pad guy? Have you got some sort of weirdo sock combination? What do you got on going on underneath there, Luke?
2: Man, uh, so I just run a normal test sector underneath. That's, um, I, I guess, whatever's approved by the FIM over there. I just had to get it recently. uh um, so I got one of those and just like a normal knee pad slash knee brace thing, nothing special. Um I've always ran a knee cup and I mean the past couple of years I just decided to move up in the knee brace world um and go up to like a knee brace knee pad hybrid. Um oh, really? and then um just ethicas and then uh for socks man i've had some socks since i was on like 85s and they're soccer socks from yeah. like dick sporting Goods.
0: yeah right um,
2: and i actually just asked fxr if i could get some because like i got some holes in them things and i really need to get I'm, it's just one of those things where it's like man i don't want to pay for socks like it's just it's one of those annoying things to pay for <laughs> So yeah. I'm really looking forward to getting some new socks. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, see, this is the thing. We always ask this question because you never know what's quite under there, and and people do reuse stuff for way too long when it's not visible. So socks are obviously one of those. Yeah. Things. And they can get a bit holy, but yeah, at some point you've got to throw them away because you will be getting just those those rub marks because there's nothing there. So <laughs> that's fair enough. Yeah. No. That
2: that's fair. Um, yeah. I, I just actually got some new garnets today, and I realized that I really need some new socks um because it's those just aren't working anymore and it's almost embarrassing to have the socks now so um
0: (laughs) time for an upgrade but yeah yep definitely (laughs) all good well luke we appreciate your time mate on the always moto podcast and we really look forward to seeing you in melbourne at the end of the series here but but good luck for the world supercross hopefully all the rounds go really smoothly for you and you can just enjoy being in those other countries and and you know putting some good performances in this sx2 class
2: yeah, man. Thank you for having me, and uh, hopefully I get to see you in uh, in Australia.
0: I'll be definitely coming and saying hello. We'll, we'll, we'll be making sure we put faces in the name. So, you know, all good. Appreciate time, Luke. Thank you.
2: Yep, thank you.
1: Hey, guys and girls. I'm Gage Linville, and you're listening to the Always Moto Podcast.
0: Right, we've got another rider on the phone ready to talk the preview show for World Super Us here on the Always Moto Podcast. He's going to be riding for the Pipes Motorsport Group. It's Cullen Park. Welcome on board, Cullen.
1: Hey, man. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it.
0: No, look, I appreciate the time. You guys are always busy getting prepped. You're only a week or so out from, from you know, well, probably less than a week out from starting the fly to the venue and stuff. So you guys are obviously busy. I appreciate the effort that's gone into all this. And yeah, the, the little bit of time you put to us to give to the fans is is an awesome thing. So thank you.
1: Yeah, no worries. I'm, uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Like you said, yeah, I leave on uh, Tuesday, actually. Yeah, that's so very to, close. Uh, so, yeah, we're getting we're getting close. I'm really looking forward to it.
0: So, why the world supercross for you? What was the reason that you, you know, maybe you got a good offer, maybe you just wanted to travel the world? What's the reason behind you taking on the world supercross this year?
1: Yeah, um, a couple of reasons actually. I I'm really looking forward to racing world supercross and like you said, just traveling to these other countries and uh, just get more Supercross experience. I mean, you just can't, you can't teach experience. So just being able to race all those, but also um, I was originally supposed to race outdoors and then um, the team that I was on decided to not end up racing outdoors, just um, just some things had come up. So, you know, luckily um, with Pipes Motorsports Group, I was able to get this deal done and yeah, now I get to go race World Supercross. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, it's, that's awesome. Like that, you, you sort of had a bit of a maybe you thought it probably thought there for a second that you might not have had an opportunity to ride at all through the summer. And now you're doing World Supercross. So win win.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Now I, I literally get to travel the world racing a dirt bike i don't think it gets much better than that
0: no i can't i can't really disagree with you on that one that's that's that would be the dream for most people in in our sort of field you know that loves motorsports and motorbikes yeah that would be that's the that's the ultimate now with the pipes motorsport group and this ride you're going to be on the 250 for them um why the 250 obviously they had those you know the bigger names Cole Chisholm, ken roxon locked in for the 450s i gather that was the best opportunity that you got for this opportunity for 250s
1: yeah well i um i actually had uh, a 450 offer from a couple other people actually and i just don't yeah i know i'm a bigger guy but i just supercross is a whole different ball game being on a 450 and i don't feel like i'm ready for that um Like I said, I got a lot more to learn and a lot more experience or I want to get more experience. So yeah, just the 250 is I, that's just what I want to be on. And I've been riding the bike now for just about a month and man, I've, I've just been really enjoying myself. I've actually been out in California and I'm originally from Florida and I've been on the East coast for my whole life. So just getting over here and riding this hard pack dirt been really good for me because i think a lot of the just even just watching the two races from world supercross last year they were both really hard packed so something i'm trying to get better on and yeah just always trying to to get better and yeah man i just the 250 has been good for me so i like i said though just i don't feel like i'm ready for a 450 in in supercross just yet
0: yeah fair enough no you're obviously new, new to it still so yeah it makes sense to just get a bit more experience under the belt are you comfortable so far on the suzuki
1: yeah, really comfortable, actually. I was really caught off guard, to be honest. Like, my first day, um, I, I barely even made some changes the first day. And then as I went on, I made, I've made i made a couple changes to the bike. And I I was, like I said, just so thrown off of how comfortable I was right away. So you never know, though, till you go racing. I mean, anyone can say how good they feel at the practice <laughs> track. And in the end, practice means absolutely nothing. So we'll see when the gate drops.
0: Yeah, definitely, but at least you at least you feel like you've got a reasonable start point, so that's a that's a good thing as well when you roll in the round one. So yeah, you find out when exactly. the gate drops. Now this exactly. series is obviously a bit of a different uh, arrangement in terms of race schedules this year, and obviously race formats. It's stretched out over a reasonable length of time. We've got a decent break between the opening round, and well, it's a bit up in the air at the minute in terms of what's happening with the second round from the rumors you see on social media and whatnot. Um, there's a big gap in the middle. How how are you preparing yourself physically for this time off that you're going to get that you're probably not used to having in, you know, say AMA series, you're basically week to week, aren't you? So anything different going into this prep for yourself?
1: Yeah, this is is definitely a big difference from what I'm used to racing here in the States. Like you said, we're, or each weekend. And then normally you go straight into outdoors. You're once again each weekend. So for me, um, I mean, after the first or second round, we're going to have, I think, two months off. And I think you almost just, you can't, much less being uh, here in the States, it's summertime. So if you sit there and just grind out uh, for those two months, I think you would almost hurt yourself. You put yourself in a bit of a hole. So I think I'll use the time to You'll take some time off. I'm not saying you'll obviously take the whole time off and just kinda maintain my training and then once we get closer to race time I'll obviously ramp it back up and and get back to like full force just motos and, and training a lot. But yeah, I think you have to take uh you gotta you gotta take time off in my opinion, or else I think you'll just put yourself in a hole when uh when the racing starts back up.
0: I think I think that's a really smart idea, and that's so far from the guys that I've spoken to, they're all sort of thinking the same thing because mainly i think because it's the summertime over there and you guys obviously aren't usually used to doing supercross prep in summer and it's a whole different you know animal environmentally so yeah you're going to need something at least the two-week period of maybe a reduced load at least before you you know go nuts again
1: exactly i mean i'll tell you (laughs) supercross in the heat hits different man it's tough (laughs) it's because you're you're obviously not going that fast like mile per hour wise like speed yeah where where outdoors you're going so fast you at least get some airflow supercross there's not much of airflow so man when you're when you're out there i can't lie the the heat will get to you
0: (laughs) yeah it's definitely something you guys aren't used to to usually putting a hoodie on to go and do supercross practice you know but not not this time around now the other part of this too the the racing formats obviously with these three races back to back they're short duration there are only six laps for that sx2 class there's those eight minute breaks yes there's a 10 minute race to finish it off but it's a very different format it's almost like three heat races you know in a row there's no 15 minute main plus one is the actual riding prep that you're doing and the, and the training are you focusing more into intensity now
1: yeah 100 I've I have uh I've worked for this first round of World Supercross completely different than the way I approached like the American Supercross series. Um, actually, it's funny because the heat races here in the States were honestly some of my worst races of the night. I was always better in the main event. So I've done a lot of sprinting and just trying to get used to that, that quick format, done a lot of race day simulations. I'm obviously none of us are really used to the quick turnaround the way. World Supercross does it. So I think it's gonna be it's obviously change for everyone. We all have the same the same format. So I I think it's gonna be good for me. It's gonna it's something I need to work on anyway to get better at. And I've I've done the work now getting ready for the first round. So like I said, you find out when the gate drops. But I mean that that last main, that ten lapper, it's only ten laps, but um, you have the two sixes before and with it just being so intense, I think guys will still get tired. So Oh, it's going to yeah. be the last 10 all about consistency and much less just having three different races. So many things can happen. So, and you saw that last year, so many guys, the, the results were so all over the place. So my goal is to definitely be up there on the start each time and just put three consistent mains in. And I think that's going to uh, land you a good overall.
0: I think you're right, man. Like the SX two class particularly was a bit of a, uh, just throw the, throw the numbers out and jumble them up each time. They, they came out different every moto pretty much. And like, Um, McElrath proved that even just like I think he got like a couple of fourths in in that first round proved that that was enough you know because it was consistency paid off really um so yeah if you can be consistent it'll be good
1: I was really caught off guard by that because I I watched them live last year but I obviously couldn't remember so I've been watching the races over and just seeing how the tracks were and stuff and yeah the the 250 class man it was a scramble each main event it just it really came down to who got the start and um yeah, like I said, I just I think consistency consistency will obviously pay off in the end.
0: Yeah, definitely. Now the other side of this that that's going into it, obviously you're gonna be in six different countries uh for these races. That normally you guys are in one country, you're familiar with the foods that are available, you know, where to get certain things, you know, how to you can pretty much put on on your vehicle on your truck whatever your sort of arrangement is going to the races you can have your your cycle bike for stationary warm-ups and stuff like that beforehand you're traveling with a crate and a motorcycle and a toolbox pretty much and what you can carry in a in a rolling bag is there any challenges that you can see that might make this a bit more difficult than obviously racing at home
1: um i mean maybe a little bit but you know what we all have the same we all have the same circumstances right so I think we'll, uh, as a team, we'll figure it out if we ever have a bump in the road, but I mean, yeah, like you said, obviously I don't have my stationary bicycle, but worst case, I just warm up back at the hotel and be dialed to go for when I get on my bike. But, um, I mean, yeah, the food also, I I love food, so (laughs) I'm looking forward to new things, but yeah, I mean the night before I race, I kind of like to stick to the same program. So yeah, maybe that will be a bit of bit odd but you know we'll figure it out there's always there's always some good food everywhere you go
0: there is but i I would you know as a as an athlete going into these different places i would stick to the known stuff before the race and go nuts on trying stuff the day afterwards (laughs) so you don't have that food poisoning in the lead up to to the day because that that can just ruin the the event for you
1: yeah the second that main event's over with for me you'll be you'll be seeing me trying all the local food
0: Nice. Uh get the experience while you're there, man. Yeah, definitely. Now, speaking of that, um, you're gonna be in these different countries. Um, I'm I'm an Aussie. I, I'm obviously gonna be in the Melbourne round. Um, but what event for you are you looking forward to the most? And I'll be biased here. Why is it Australia? Yeah.
1: It it really is Australia, yeah. So um I don't know. I, I've never heard of anyone go to Australia and have a bad time, to be honest. So I'm just really looking forward to that one. And uh, I mean, always the first round too, just because the excitement of the yeah. first round, like there's just the, just everyone's all stoked. Everyone's really happy to be there. The, the vibe's always good. And I, I kind of like how nervous everyone gets. It's just, I don't know. The first round's always fun. So, but yeah, out of, out of all six, I would have to say Australia's the one I'm most looking forward to just uh, the food and the fans I heard in Australia are pretty incredible as well. Yeah. So I think there's just a lot of things to do um, in Melbourne as well. So, yeah, I mean, there's there's nothing I've heard bad about Australia. So I'm really Really
0: looking forward to that one. Yeah, nice. Like I'm, I'm obviously biased, but yes, Melbourne's a pretty nice town. Um, there's plenty to do. The, the fans love it because we obviously watch it so much from afar. And when you guys finally arrive in and can be, we can almost you know touch you and stuff. It's it's awesome for us because we just we go nuts for it. So they all turn up. There's heaps of people there. It, it'll be a busy event for you guys. But yeah, glad to hear that you you're looking forward to the Aussie round. Um, now actually, yeah. quick question okay. too. Have you actually, because a couple of these guys when I've spoken to you, even like last year, some of the guys and this year again, haven't really been out of, out of America all that much. Have you done anything traveling wise in the past or is this maybe, you know, the first real experience for you?
1: Yes. Um, last, last year I got to race, um, Paris. So that was the only time. Yeah. That, that race was really cool. Really fun. Um, that's the only other time though, that I've been outside the country. So Definitely not not a good traveler by any means or experienced traveler I should say so, yeah I mean uh, there's a lot of that's that's one thing with going to each country I mean there's a lot of things you kind of have to worry about like them possibly even losing your bag or just something something silly you know that could really throw a wrench in the program but yeah just besides Paris though I haven't been in, outside of America at all so I'm really just the travel I'm gonna kind of embrace it all not looking forward to the long plane rides especially to like Australia. Um, but or singapore but yeah i mean hopefully i can just sleep it off on the plane and be ready to go when we touch down
0: yeah just uh have a have a late night the night before so you're tired when you get on that plane and then just yeah pop the pop the noise cancelling headphones on and you'll fall right to sleep man you'll be fine the the plane rides nothing trust me i've done it plenty of times so (laughs) (laughs) it's always amazing about talking especially to the american riders you guys Don't tend to travel outside of the country all that often. You obviously have so much opportunity in America. You don't have to go too far. But, yeah, it's always interesting to hear that side of things. You guys haven't done much traveling. But you'll get plenty this this year with the six different rounds. So you'll be an experienced traveler by the end of it.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm hoping for.
0: <laughs> now, let's wrap this up here, and we do this with every rider uh, on the Always Moto podcast. We like to find out what's under your gear. Everyone has a little different combination of socks and knee braces or knee, knee pads. Is there anything particular, Cullen, that you've got going on under your gear?
1: Yeah, I'm a little odd, actually, but I wear so I wear some padded shorts, and then I actually wear knee pads. I'm all about the evs tp199 oh, nice. i love i love knee pads i've never been a knee brace guy so yeah really big on the knee pad thing and then obviously a the chest protector i um it getting hit in the chest by either rooster or your handlebar, handlebars is never fun so nice. yeah i always wear a chest protector as well but my biggest thing is is uh the knee pads i i'm a big knee pad guy and uh i love those evs tp199s
0: yeah definitely they're funny that ever since they came out they've been very popular it seems and yeah you either have guys in those or in a knee brace so yeah it's always an interesting thing to hear what's what's under that under that kit because you obviously see the top layer and everybody knows what brand that is but um yeah what's happening underneath it's always an interesting combination of what guys put together so yeah thanks for passing on that information cullen all right man well yeah no worries well, look, it's it's obviously exciting. You've got a couple of days. Are you wrapped up with riding now, or have you got another day before you're getting on the plane? What's the schedule here? You're obviously Thursday, um, just finishing up Thursday in American time. Um, you said you're flying Tuesday. Is there anything else happen for you for the next few days before you hit the plane?
1: Yeah, well, I actually, today was my last day riding because I'm actually going to fly back home to Florida tomorrow morning and then spend, spend some time, because I've been in California for about a month now, and then, Uh, i'll spend some time back at home for a few days before i catch the plane ride across the pond to birmingham so yeah the riding's done the work's been put in so now we're uh we're ready to see where we stack up at round one
0: awesome man well look we we're looking forward to seeing you in action and all the other teams and that at round one there in birmingham for the world supercross and like we said at the start we appreciate you coming on giving us some time for our preview show and we'll definitely try and catch up with you in melbourne
1: yeah that'll be sick thank you very much for having me on and looking forward to meeting all these new faces and people at the races so yeah stoked
0: sounds good man all right thanks for your time Colin.
1: yes sir thank you
2: hey guys this is grant harlan and this is the always moto podcast
0: all right guys and girls we are back on the always moto podcast the world supercross preview show thanks for sticking around We're going to go through, we've still got the contractor on the line, we're going to go through our championship picks for World Supercross 2023. Let's start with the SX2 class because it's the nightmare for me of picking who's going to win. Benny, I don't know if you think much of anyone in this class, but I think there's about 10 blokes that could probably win this at some point, some way, somehow. I I found it quite hard to pick out a clear favourite.
3: Yeah, you're exactly right. There's more than one person, um, and it's very hard. Um, I've just gone the easy choice, but um, you've only got to look at Tanti's season last year. Um, when Clout was in America uh, on the 250, he was doing really well, so he could come back and do well. Um, and then you've got, you know, Kyle Peters, who's really good at arena cross, and these tracks tend to sim- go that way. Um, and then you've got, you know, Anstey, who, you know, did well this season as well. Um, and then the reigning champ, Michael Rath, is just, you know, and you got Bogle hidden in there. There's just so many people. Don't forget Enzo um, Lopes. But yeah, we'll Don't just forget get, Mitchell Oldenburg. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, like, the yeah. list
0: is insane. The SX2 class really is could be an exciting mix of – you know absolute mashup of results and then maybe the consistent one is the one that gets out of this with the title who knows but like oldenburg was getting fourths and fifths in the in the in the west coast this year um lopes is there running you know he's winning heat races and just missing podiums you know these guys are all up there anstey won a race for christ's sake yes it was in the mud but he got multiple podiums in the dry as well there's so many to pick from it's just a matter of who seems to stand up at the time, but yeah, it's hard hard choice to make. So, have you made a choice for the your title pick for SX two?
3: Yeah, I'm going with McElrath.
0: You're going with the reigning champ. Yep. Why not? Makes sense.
3: Yep. Yep, that's right. But I tell you what, if it rains, round one and An Anstie, Anstie wins, <laughs> it's changing very quickly. <laughs>
0: Oh, I can understand that one. I'm actually going to take, for the fact that how Anstey has been riding in the last year, winning that Australian Supercross title, getting all those podiums and that race win in the AMA series, I can't go past Max Anstey for my SX2 pick. He's got to be one or two, I reckon. But I do quite like Mitchell Oldenburg um, as well, his consistency recently and the fact he's been fit and healthy recently also makes me think he's a really good option, but Max Dancy's my pick for SX too. All right. It might seem more simple. Maybe it's not. WSX class, the big boy class. We've obviously got the reigning champ, Ken Roxon in there. On, that, on the Suzuki, he was on a Honda last year when he did this, so there is one shift for him. Who are we going for in WSX, Benny? Who's your pick?
3: Well, I thought long and hard about it. Uh, There's a lot of good guys in this field, uh, but I've picked Kenny.
0: (laughs) That long and hard was about two (laughs) seconds, right? You went, Ken Roxon's entered? Sweet, done. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I kind of agree. And look, his riding on the Suzuki this year has been phenomenal. He's sort of had a rebirth there and he won a race. He's been on the podium a few times. And then look what he did turning up last week at, at High Point in the outdoors. I just can't you can't go past Ken Roxon for the for w s x class, yes, there's some other guys in there. Colt Nichols would be interesting. Brayton should be in and around there even though he's on that semi retired program. Who knows Vince fries could clean a few people out in the first corner and make it through to the second corner, okay. you just don't know um but i think I think Kenny's the safe bet here,
3: yeah, I think it's a safe bet, but I mean you've got Joey Savarci too who. Uh, you know, he was up there last year and was doing well in the the first nine rounds that they had um, of the AMA this year until he hurt his shoulder. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, I think those two will be one too, but, we, you know, we haven't seen Colt really on a 450 yet um, and, you know, different people on different bikes. is just, you know, so many options as well, but, you know, you would just have to wait and see.
0: Yeah, it's going to be a great season. But yeah, Ken Rocks and Max Anstey for me. Kenny and McElrath for yourself. Let's uh, let's see how this all goes. Now, let's. Um, I've actually just thought of something extra. We're going to run through here in just a second. Uh, let's take another quick break here on the Always Moto Podcast.
1: What's up, guys? I'm Colin Park, and you're listening to the Always Moto Podcast.
0: All right, guys and girls, keep going here on the Always Moto podcast. We just remembered that there is actually a team's championship as part of this World Supercross. How could we forget Moto Concept's win last year in that particular aspect of the World Supercross series? Benny, looking at the team rosters, which team is going to be the best team in World Supercross in 2023 across these six rounds, factoring in all four riders? Who have we got? Who's your pick? for the team's champion at the end of the series?
3: CDR Yamaha, he's going to be my pick. Um, yeah, I can just see all those guys being consistent. Um, Harlan, Grand Harlan had a ripper season in AMA, and I can't see that changing through this. Um, you know, Hill was exactly the same, and Tanti and Clout in the 250 class, I can see them running, you know, within the top ten every race. So, uh, yeah, I think they'll be very consistent, all four of them, and uh, they'll, be the, they'll be the winners.
0: Well, there we go. He's confident they will be the winners, he finished that sentence with. I like that confidence. All right. Well, look, I've had a bit of a look over this just in the, in the few seconds that I've had here to myself to think about this. There's some interesting picks here in these teams. You would think something like that, maybe the Pipes Motorsport Group would be a good one because they've got Ken Roxon and Kyle Chisholm on that WSX side of things, but they've got two guys that maybe aren't going to do as much at the pointy end in Cullen Park and Hunter Yoda in the SX2. They could, maybe they don't. Moto Concepts won last year, but they don't have the same team that they're fielding as last year. They had a bit stronger roster last year and Justin Brayton being on that team uh, and you know switching out Michael Essie and... and Cole Seely in a different spot there you mentioned uh, when we were chatting about this Rick Ware being a possibility they've obviously got Joey Savarci Shane McElrath Colt Nichols Henry Miller but I've spotted one in the rough that I think I like better out of all of this you ready for this
3: I'm ready for it
0: you're just waiting hanging on on the fact that I've I've picked one and I don't uh, they're all obvious but you know I'm saying it's out of the rough I'm gonna go five Kyle Honda. I've
3: got, yeah, righto. Okay. We've
0: got Dean Wilson, Justin Brayton, Max Anstey, and Gage is probably the only one that's maybe not considered a race winner out of those those four guys.
3: Yeah, that's uh yeah, that's a fair pick.
0: You're regretting your CDR pick right now, aren't you?
3: Nope, I am not. I'm sticking <laughs> with it.
0: I thought I might have pulled one. You didn't even mention them when we were talking about this just then. So I'm going firepower Honda. Uh, well, let's let's see where nah, this gets to. I, when we're both wrong, we can both look like idiots together.
3: Yeah, no, I looked uh, I I looked over it and I actually thought you were going to go somewhere else. So that um, that surprised me. But yeah, no, when um, yeah when CDR win we'll show um, we'll send this to Craig Dak and um Yeah. yes what... you can
0: ask him for, for your <laughs> cut of the winnings
3: <laughs> yeah the, yeah we'll try that
0: yeah you'll you'll settle for a um you know a signed uh luke clout um shroud or something Eh.
3: yeah no that's yep yeah, i'll take that that's yeah
0: fine. right all right well that's they're our predictions right so we've got firepower honda for myself cdr for benny Uh, that is, I think, going to be our World Supercross wrap-up show, uh, wrap-up, preview show, wrong word. Jesus Christ, we're doing well at that one. Um, So we're previewing this. We've gone through it all now. We've had our interviews... Now it's time for the racing. Hopefully, everybody enjoys what comes their way for World Supercross, and we'll try and bring you some more content in between the rounds. We'll obviously bring it in, bring to you the injuries that happen. Hopefully, there's not too many this season, but we'll bring them to you as we find out. We'll bring you some post-rider in post-race interviews as best we can. We'll follow up these guys. They've obviously got breaks between these rounds, so we should have some fairly good access to them to get some good content and keep you up to date with all things happening in world supercross. We will be at Melbourne at a minimum. We'll see how things go for the other rounds. Uh, But for now that will be our world supercross show. Stick around. We'll take a quick break and we'll just wrap it all up.
1: Hey, this is Brett Metcalf. You're listening to always moto podcast.
0: All right guys and girls, we are back and we've got a little amendment to the podcast here. We had this all loaded up, ready to go to drop in about Or eight hours time from now, I was going to go to bed and, uh, you know, watch this go out in the morning. But the powers that be at World Supergross have put out a press release for immediate release, which was uh, the 26th of June at 8.30 p.m. uh, And we just basically had all this ready to go. So there has been a change in the schedule, finally confirmed. It had been rumoured for a few weeks now. A few weeks maybe one to two weeks now about the French GP now the French GP officially hasn't been removed from the calendar as yet and there's no mention of it in this press release but there is a change to the schedule on the world supercross championship.com website around the schedule as well so French round was round two. It is now sitting as a round zero zero at the end of this schedule, and I'm assuming it will be removed here very shortly, but that's not officially released as yet. The schedule is now going to be the Birmingham Supercross uh, as the opener at round one this weekend at, on the 1st of July. Singapore will be round two on the 30th of September. World Supercross at Germany will be uh, round three on the 14th of October. Round four will be in Vancouver, Canada on the 28th of October. The new round that has been released will be the World Supercross of Abu Dhabi at Yas Island on the 4th of November. It's actually going to be a two-day weekend there. Uh, I'm not sure exactly how that's all going to play out, but we'll quickly read the... Uh, A little bit of the press release here. The World Supercross Abu Dhabi GP will be held over two days at the Etihad Arena on Yas Island on the 4th and 5th of November, 2023. This historic event will be the first time a World Supercross event has been held in the region. Tickets will go on sale next month. And in in a a quote from Adam Bailey, it says, we're extremely proud to announce the World Supercross Abu Dhabi GP. Yas Island is known for the standard of excellence in hosting some of the biggest events in the region, including other major events like Formula One, UFC, and NBA. And that's all from Adam Bailey. We'll leave the rest of that press release there, but it just goes on to say they're going to, they're looking forward to obviously having that event. So that will be round five. The final round will still remain at Australia in Melbourne on the 24th and 25th of November. And as I said, at this stage on the website and I'm looking at it, uh, the World Supercross of France uh, GP is still on there, but it doesn't have any dates and it doesn't actually have a round now. So I'm assuming it will be removed here very shortly, but watch for more on that space. But yes, Abu Dhabi has been added to the, wor- to the World Supercross calendar. There is now quite a significant break between round one and round two. So we may see some of these guys, Ken Roxon being one, um, drop back into the AMA motocross here, but uh, look, it kicks off still this weekend on the 1st of July in uh, Birmingham in the UK, which is awesome. Uh, and then we'll see those other rounds will be fairly tight together there at the end of the year in September, October, November. So yeah, it'll be a jam-packed end of the season. Uh, we look forward to those rounds uh, happening here shortly. All right, guys and girls, we are back. Thanks for sticking around on the Always Moto podcast. Thanks for listening to this something different from us this week here at Always Moto in this world Supercross preview show. It's been awesome to bring this to you. Uh, hope you've enjoyed it. Give us some feedback. Send us a message when you see this on the, uh, on the social posts or on the YouTube channel, wherever we end up posting all this stuff. Um, make sure you leave us a comment about it and whether you liked it and whether you want to see more of it. So, yeah, that'd be great. Appreciate the feedback. All right, don't forget, you've got to send us those T-shirt orders to info at alwaysmoto.com. Follow us on social media to stay up to date with all things injury in moto and all things WSX as it happens. Search alwaysmoto and then follow and subscribe. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed so you don't miss our next show. And if your podcast app allows, leave us a five-star rating, please. It'd be very much appreciated. We need a few more ratings on those podcast feeds there, guys and girls, so please leave us a rating. Don't forget to check out all of our written articles over on fullnoise.com.au and soon to have additional content over on alwaysmoto.com. But that's it for another show. Thanks to Comp Edge Performance, Slantboard Guy, Endurance Recovery Boots and Tech 167 3D Printing for the show support. Thanks to the Always Moto contractor. Thanks to you guys and girls for listening. And remember, you've got to be smooth to be fast because if you're not, I'll probably be seeing you deep in the emergency department. Maybe even the clinic having strapping tape thrown wherever it will stick.